Hello and welcome to this episode of What in the World is Dyscalculia? I'm Dr. Honora Wall and What in the World is Dyscalculia is sponsored by EduCalc Learning. You can visit EduCalcLearning.com for more information, for advice and tips if you're a person with dyscalculia, and training if you're an educator, interventionist, tutor, teacher, or parent doing homeschool, and see our online courses for students who have dyscalculia. We know that you can succeed in math and we know that the traditional K-12 math system is not really designed to instruct or assess students with dyscalculia properly. And I want to talk today about an interesting question that came up in a social media group recently. And there are two thoughts I have about this question. One is the question itself, and one is a broader research question. So uh, to paraphrase, the person posting was asking if anyone knew of research studies that talked about typical child development as for the important orientation of numbers. And it took a few tries of people asking them to, to clarify what they meant, but it seems that the the root of the question was for younger children it's very easy to confuse the number six and the number nine because they look very similar and they almost look upside down from one another and is there a typical age when we expect that orientation to be set so the the first question that people were posting in response was to make sure she wasn't confusing dyscalculia with dyslexia, where quite a few times people can transpose letters, although that is the the most basic interpretation or identification uh, and oversimplification of dyslexia. And I do know some people who transpose numbers, especially more than three numbers at a time, like the longer the string, the easier it is to transpose, and that can be very common. Uh, But as far as writing numbers upside down or backwards, reversed, I haven't seen too much of that in my personal work, and more importantly to this person's question, I haven't seen any research studies that have really looked at this in depth and tracked it in terms of typical child development. If you happen to have some, please email me the links or the name of the researcher so I can find out more. Uh, You can reach me at honora at educalclearning.com or through our nonprofit, honora at thedtri.org. And we have been getting some more visitors to the Dyscalculia Training and Research Institute website, which is great. We're talking to a lot of people about funding for research opportunities and making some products for training teachers. So we're going to have some interesting stuff uh, that I think will be really useful coming out of the nonprofit very soon. So make sure you're checking that resource as well. But getting back to the research and to this uh, individual's question, And I I don't know any more about her question, so I don't know if she had a particular student in mind or if she was trying to use this as an early screener of some kind. Um, So I, I can't speak to that part. I would say I would not use transposing numbers or flipping the orientation of a number 
as a screener. I would use subitization questions as a screener, and I would use some number sense. How comfortable does a student seem with numbers in general? Uh, I would also look for transfer if a student is getting better at their basic facts, multiplying numbers that are small, um, adding numbers under 10. If you're starting to see an increase, a little bit more fluency and automaticity, uh, but losing it as the numbers get bigger or the strings get bigger. And if you see a disconnect between doing just the multiplication work, like the, the programs that are designed to ask you your times tables for the fours over and over again. The student is getting better at that, but then they're not really transferring that into 123 times 42. That lack of transfer could be a better screener than just how they're writing or transposing numbers. Another thing that I was thinking as I was reading the comment and the other comments underneath it is how many excellent research questions there are out there. And uh, as I said, I don't know of anyone who's looked at typical human development or child development specifically in writing numbers properly, forming numbers properly. And is there a certain age when the number formation in Arabic digit form is really set? So if you are a researcher or if you're thinking about getting into a master's or a doctorate program, there are so many questions in the realm of dyscalculia that we need answers to. So I would encourage you to think about some of these really excellent questions. You could do a, a lit review or just a summary of what's out there uh, in different research questions. And one of the problems that I found when I was doing my dissertation is that we have a lot of studies for typically developing students. We have a lot of studies that include low numeracy students or ELL students or anyone identified as a special education student. But those things do not have the same cause and therefore they don't have the same effect and impact as dyscalculia. So finding something that is actually applicable to the math learning disability is much more challenging. And I'm a firm believer if you see a problem, you got to jump in and try to fix it. Be part of the solution. And that can come in the form of asking other people who you work with, if they know of any research, having those conversations, and getting into research on your own, especially if you're in a PhD program or you're thinking about that. If you are working in the College of Education and you're talking to your College of Education students or even better, your math department students, get some research studies going. Of course, the, there are funding issues, IRB approval issues, finding the right population size issues. So these are complex. And I think that's an important thing for people who are not into research to remember. We have a, a big drive right now in the world of education to make everything research-based, which is a great idea if the research actually exists. But sometimes it doesn't, and we can't just pull a research study out of thin air. Doing a, an actual scientific, appropriate, peer-reviewed research study is going to take a couple of years at best. 
a really fast one is going to take a year. Anything longitudinal or having multiple groups, or it just takes time. So we can't just turn around and pull research out of thin air. We can extrapolate from the research that's already out there. We can talk to experts and we can put together the best information we possibly can. But if you're looking for a research-based answer to everything, you're probably going to be pretty disappointed. This is still a new field. Now, if you are interested in helping people have dyscalculia, that's very exciting because there's lots of areas where we can all pitch in and find things that actually help. But we have to be detectives and not only rely on published research because that's a growing field and we need to give it time to grow. So I guess the upshot of this conversation is I saw this post and I thought people have great questions, but... Not everything has a research-based answer. And some of our questions feel like they might relate to dyscalculia, but they don't really. For example, writing a number upside down is not typically a part of dyscalculia. And as we look at older students, I don't see that in any of my middle, high school, college, or adult students or people who have dyscalculia. I work with a lot of adults who are getting more comfortable with math in the workplace. And transposing a long string of digits might be an issue, but writing upside down that orientation is not really an issue. And um, even if we knew when a student should typically develop orientation, I don't see how that would really help in a pragmatic sense. I am a pragmatic curriculum person. That is my focus area. That is my research and theoretical lens. How does this actually help a student who's trying to pass a class right now? And fixing orientation, I'm not sure, is the thing that's going to really help a student throughout the K-16 system or help an adult in the workplace. So an interesting thing to think about, interesting thing to talk about, not a whole lot of pragmatic results, in my opinion. I could be very wrong. And I am interested in hearing your opinion. I hope you share it with me. You can find me on all sorts of social media platforms. EduCalc Learning is on Facebook, LinkedIn. We're on TikTok, Dr. Wall underscore MLD for those videos. And we put all of those videos on YouTube and our podcast is on YouTube as well so that people can access the information with whatever platform they're most comfortable with. And I'd love to have your comments, your feedback, and any other questions about possible topics for future episodes of the What in the World is Dyscalculia podcast. I'm Dr. Honora Wall with EduCalcLearning.com and the DTRI.org, and I thank you for listening.